0: Hi there, and welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, for an hopefully enlightening journey into the world of blackwater botanical and otherwise natural aquariums. Today we're going to talk about a topic that I think is kind of interesting, something that comes up periodically. It's about clearing up some stuff. Um, As an enthusiast of the natural botanical style aquarium, you're probably pretty attuned to the color of your water. Now, most of us are into that dark brown, tannin-stained water, and all the flavor as we call it that characterizes so many wild habitats in the uh, ecosystems of the world as you likely know by now there's a lot of factors that contribute to the color of water in your black water aquarium specifically tannins released by leaves wood and other botanicals you have in the tank and as we have discussed now probably like i don't know 327 times in many situations leaves and botanicals will have little to no influence on the ph unless you're utilizing a water source like reverse osmosis which yields a product water with extremely low mineral content and is more amicable to pH reduction. However, the botanicals will affect the color and in some instances, the visual clarity of the water. And let me make it clear, (laughs) no pun intended, Uh, color generally has absolutely nothing to do with the pH of the water, really. Oh, and the clarity, I know we've talked about the difference between clarity and color before, but let's hit it one more time i really want to see one less of those. I added a bunch of catapa leaves and seed pots from that vendor on eBay and my water is dark brown, but the pH is still 7.6. What gives sort of questions. Those things are everywhere online. And it's a question that needs analysis from several factors, really starting with the impact that botanical materials have on water chemistry, which we've addressed a bunch of times here, and encompassing their impact on water quality, color, and clarity. And much of the confusion of the aquarium world, they're all sort of interrelated. You figured it would be, right? Now we do have a sort of historical bias of just what aquarium water should look like. As a we're pretty much indoctrinated from the start that our tank should have crystal clear blue-white water, and that this is like one of the benchmarks of a healthy aquarium. And of course, I won't disagree that clear water is nice. I like it too. However, I'd like to make the case that crystal clear water is A, not always solely an indicative of healthy or optimum, and B, it's not always what fishes encounter in nature. The point is, we as fish geeks seem to associate color in the water with overall cleanliness or clarity. The reality is in many cases that the color and clarity of the water can be indicative of some sort of issue, but color seems to draw an immediate the whoa, there's something wrong from the uninitiated and It's kind of funny if you talk to ecologists familiar with blackwater habitats, particularly those in the Amazonian region, which you know we're crazy about here, they're often considered some of the most impoverished waters around, at least from a mineral and nutrient standpoint. And in the aquarium, the general hobby at large doesn't think about impoverished. We just see colored water and think, that shit's dirty. And of course, this is where we need to attempt to separate these two factors. Cloudiness and color are generally separate issues for most hobbyists, but they both seem to cause concern. Cloudiness in particular may be a tip-off to some other issues in the aquarium. And as we all know, cloudiness can usually be caused by a few factors. Number one improperly cleaned substrate or decorative materials like driftwood you know which creates like this haze of microsized dust particles that float in the water column number 2 bacterial blooms which are typically caused by a heavy bio load in a system not capable of handling it such as a new tank with a filter that's not fully established number 3 algae blooms which can both cloud and color the water it's usually caused by excessive nutrients and too much light for a given system and number 4 poor husbandry, which results in heavy decomposition, more bacterial blooms, and biological waste that affect the water quality. Now, this is, of course, a rather urgent matter that needs to be attended to, and there are are possible serious life-threatening consequences to the fishes in your system, so that's something you should familiarize yourself with. And curiously enough, the remedy for cloudy water in virtually every situation is pretty much similar. Water exchanges, use of chemical filtration media like activated carbon, etc., reduce the light in the case of algal blooms improve your husbandry, like better feeding and more frequent maintenance, and perhaps most important, the passage of time. So yeah, clarity of the water is directly related to the physical dissolution of stuff in the water, and it's influenced and mitigated by a wide range of factors. And don't forget that the botanical materials will impact the clarity of the water, especially as they start to decompose and impart the lignin and tannins and the other compounds from their physical structure into the water in your aquarium. And in many cases, the water will not be crystal clear in a botanical-influenced aquarium. It'll have some turbidity, or as one of my friends likes to call it, flavor. I like that name. That's kind of funny. Uh, Remember, just because the water in a botanical-influenced aquarium system is brownish and even slightly hazy, it doesn't mean that it's low quality or dirty, as we're inclined to say. It simply means that tannins, humic acids, and other substances are leaching into the water, creating that characteristic color that some of us geeks find rather attractive. If you're still concerned, just monitor the water quality. Perform a nitrate or phosphate test. Look at the overall health of your animals. Those factors will tell the true story. You need to ask yourself, what's happening in there? I believe that a lot of what we perceive to be normal in aquarium keeping is really based on artificial standards that we've imposed on ourselves over like a century or so of modern aquarium keeping. Everyone expects the water to be as clear and colorless as air, so any deviation from this norm is cause for concern among many hobbyists. I can think of at least one or two other things that are influenced by the same processes, which we accept without question in our daily lives, like coffee, tea, and wine. People ask me a lot if botanicals can create cloudy water in the aquariums, and I have to give the responsible answer, yeah, of course they can. If you place a large quantity of just about anything that can decompose in the water, the potential for cloudy water caused by a bloom of bacteria or even simple dirt exists. The reality is if you don't add three pounds of botanicals to your 20 gallon tank, you're not likely to see such a bloom. It's about logic, it's about common sense, and going slowly. But a bit of cloudiness from time to time is actually normal in the botanical style aquarium. And of course, what we label as normal in our botanical style aquarium world has always been just a little bit different from the hobby at large. In my home aquariums and many of the great, really looking, natural looking blackwater aquariums that I see from other hobbyists, the water is dark, almost turbid. Or, or soupy, as uh, some people say, you might see the faintest hint of, like, hint of, like, stuff in the water. Perhaps a bit of fines from the leaves breaking down, some dislodged biofilms, pieces of leaves, substrate material dissolving, just like in nature. Chemically, it has undetectable nitrate and phosphate, clean by all aquarium standards. Sure, by municipal drinking water standards, you know color and clarity are really important, and they can indicate a number of potential issues. But we're not talking about drinking water here, are we? Turbidity Sounds like something we want to avoid, right? It even sounds dangerous. On the other hand, turbidity, as it's typically defined, leaves open the possibility that it's not necessarily a negative thing. It's defined as, and I quote, the cloudiness or haziness of a fluid caused by large numbers of individual particles that are generally invisible to the naked eye, similar to smoke in the air. So what am I getting at here? Well, think about a body of water like the Rio Negro, as you see in the photos on our website and elsewhere. The water is, of course, tinted because the dissolved tannins and humic substances that are present due to decaying botanical materials are all over the place. Now, that's different from cloudy or turbid. However, it's a distinction that neophytes to our world of the, you know, should take note of. The wrap on black water crimes for such a long time was that they looked dirty, and that this was largely based on our clear water bias. And of course, in the wild, there might be some turbidity because of runoff of soils from the surrounding forests or incompletely decomposing leaves, current, rain, or lots of different factors. In the wild, there might be some turbidity because soils from the surrounding forests. Let me say that one more time. None of these possible causes of turbidity mentioned above in the natural water courses represent a threat to the water quality per se. Rather, they're a visual sign of the influx of dissolved materials that contribute to the richness of the environment. So it's what's normal for that habitat. That's the area that we play in our blackwater botanical style aquariums as well. So mental shift required here. Obviously in a closed environment, that's an aquarium, stuff dissolving in the water can have some impact. Let me try that again. It could have significant impact on your water quality. And even though it might be normal for a blackwater environment to have all that stuff in it, this could be problematic in a closed confines of an aquarium. I get that, especially if nitrate phosphate and other dissolved organic compounds start contributing to a higher bio load bacterial count etc. So I think we need to you know contemplate once again the difference between water quality as expressed by the measure of compounds like nitrate and phosphate and then visual clarity. So we have to separate out the way our water tests from the way it looks. So my hypothesis on this our aesthetic upbringing in the hobby seems to push us towards this crystal clear water regardless of whether it's you know tinted or not. And we associate clarity with quality so there's a definite clear water bias and that's okay however i think it's important to consider these things in context and particularly in the context of the natural systems that we want to replicate in our aquariums and yeah it makes sense to consider the roles of back, of botanicals in this process um, as we've discussed so many times the soils the plants and the surrounding geography of an aquatic habitat are what really plays an important role in the creating the characteristics of the water like pH, TDS, alkalinity, but also the color, turbidity, and the other characteristics, even things like water flow. Large concentrations become physical structures in the stream or affect the course of the river. So, for example, lots of leaves. And, of course, they have important impact on the diet of the fishes. Remember that term, allochthonous input, that we talk about a lot, Um, which is food from the land surrounding the aquatic habitats, things that come drop into the water from outside of it remember the impact of humic substances that we talk endlessly about. Now, I can't help but wonder what sort of specific environmental variations that we as aquarists can create in our own little habitats. That's to say, variations of the chemical composition of the water in our aquarium habitats by simply utilizing different types and combinations of botanicals and aquatic soils. I mean, on the surface, this is hardly a revolutionary idea, right? We've been doing stuff like this in the hobby for a very long time more crudely in the fish breeding realm like adding you know peat to water for example or with aragonite substrates in you know rift riffle- riff lake uh, systems and you know when you're trying to keep african cichlids or with mineral additions to shrimp tanks in the planet aquarium world it's long been known that soil types and additives clay-based aquatic soils etc etc impact the uh, water chemistry in the aquarium far differently than say iron-based soils and thusly their effect on the plants fishes And as a perhaps unintended side effect, the overall aquatic environment will differ significantly as a result. And that's an area that I think we'll see a lot more work being done on in the coming months and years. It really pushes us to think a little bit differently and apply all that unconventional thought uh, to our aquarium work, doesn't it? Letting go of some of these long-held ideas and mindsets and looking at nature as an inspiration in both form and function, as opposed to just looking at that other guy's tank for ideas will... I think that'll give way to a whole new generation of really natural looking and functioning aquarium biotopes that are really gonna evolve and really change the state of the art of the hobby for many years to come. And I think that with a greater understanding of the types of environments our animals come from, that this clinical sterility standard that we've had for so long and the overall aesthetics is gonna change. That movement towards biotopes and more natural appearing and functioning aquarium systems, I think it's starting to open the eye of a lot of people. And there's so many possibilities that exist when we move beyond our previously self imposed limitations. There's a lot of work to do here. And I think you're all right. Part, you're part of it right now, aren't you? So stay resourceful, stay open minded, stay curious, stay creative, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Keep it tinted. Have a great day. Enjoy what you're doing. Thanks.